Got a lot of youth. That's a great, great thing. Um, I, uh, I better stay down here. <laughs> I, I have to say at least one more time right now, and I'm sure I'll say it again, that Suzanne and I are just delighted to be a part of this fellowship, and we've met a lot of you and hope over a period of time. Uh, that I'll get to know all of you and know your names, and uh, we just appreciate so much uh, being here with you during this time as well, and I love Thanksgiving, and I heartily uh, commend uh, Tony Evans to you as well. He was a classmate of mine at uh, Dallas Seminary, played on the same softball team, and he's one of the great voices in America today just about on anything, and so I, if you can make that uh, marriage seminar, I guess it's on tape or video or something, uh, please go ahead and do that. Wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, today, I, I'd like to speak on the subject of Thanksgiving. I think it's only right to do that kind of a thing, and uh, I would like to read a passage of scripture. And if you remember last week, I asked everybody to stand. And after I finished, I said, this is God's word. And you said, amen and amen. Would you mind doing that again? Please stand. And I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 17, which is our passage today. And uh, we'll go from there. These are the, the words of the Lord here, beginning in verse 11. While Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men stood at a distance and met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them... When he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Stand up and go, your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Amen and amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I'm not sure that the name Tom Landry will mean much to, to you, perhaps a few of you. He was actually the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, initially from when the team came into being back in 59, I think, all the way till the late 80s. Fine Christian man, occasionally showed up at Dallas Seminary, and I never had the privilege of meeting him. But uh, he did make uh, a great, great statement when he was talking to a number of students at the seminary. He said, I have a job to do that's not very complicated, but it is quite difficult. And that is to get a group of men to do what they don't want to do, so that they might achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. Now, in that 
seemingly contradictory statement, what Tom Landry was doing is mentioning discipline. It's uh, doing what we don't necessarily want to do, but we do it because it'll help accomplish what we've always wanted to accomplish. And so much of what results in a fulfilled life is the product of contradiction. A couple of examples. Uh, Those who make the best leaders often first demonstrated true servanthood. Uh, Those who are given broad oversight first prove themselves to be faithful doing the little things. Uh, The way to show yourself to be wise is not always by your speech, but often by your silence. The way to stop a loud argument is by a soft-spoken word. And the secret of helping others mature is not always by more rules, but greater trust. Sometimes the best gifts go through the back door, don't they? Let me offer another apparent contradiction, and it is this, that the eternal God of the universe, uh, who has perfect fellowship within the Trinity itself, has absolutely need of nothing at all, totally self-sufficient, and yet he desires and responds to the genuine words of thanks by his people. Uh, One of the more instructive passages about Thanksgiving is that uh, scripture that we just read a few minutes ago in Luke chapter 17. Uh, It's an account of ten lepers. Uh, Nine of them were Jews. One of them was a Samaritan. But they were bound together by a common misery. Uh, Leprosy is horrific physically because the body deteriorates. It's horrific emotionally and psychologically because particularly in those days you were a social outcast. When Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he ran across these ten lepers in a village that he is passing through, and at a distance they said, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. Now they didn't ask to be cleansed, but there can be little doubt of how they were hoping his mercy would operate. And so Jesus made an interesting statement. He says, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. And the reason that he said that was because in those days, the priests were the health inspectors, and they were the ones that could certify whether or not uh, somebody had truly been healed. And what Jesus was asking them to do, he was putting their faith to the test. And going to see the priest was like they already had been healed. And while they were going to the priest, of course, all all ten of them were healed. They were cleansed. And the cure immediately awoke uh, gratitude in the heart of one of them. And he immediately turned around from the group, didn't get to the priest, and went back to Jesus, fell on his face, and he said, thanks. And Luke adds that he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan was uh, really the product of a marriage between a Jew and a Gentile. And the Jews, uh, pure Jews, hated the Samaritans, wouldn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. And so it seemed unlikely that uh, the Samaritan, the one Samaritan of the group of ten, would be the least likely to go back and thank a Jewish healer. But he was the first, and evidently the only one. There's a couple of lessons 
that uh, stand out from this one incident that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is we see the natural forgetfulness uh, of humanity, including us, to give gratitude. We oftentimes just forget. Uh, All of the ten lepers were restored uh, to their families, to their friends, to their normal way of life. But only one uh, came back to give thanks. And all too often, uh, just and I've certainly been guilty of this as well, we pray for the Lord's intervention in our own life and then congratulate ourselves uh, for the results that we achieve. Uh, One of the lunar missions, a long time ago, that America was uh, involved in, the astronauts were in grave danger. And uh, our highest leaders in the land asked the American public to pray for the safe return of the astronauts. And when they did return safely back to Earth, uh, the credit was given to uh, the American technology, the technologists of the American space industry, and no thanks was ever given to God. Not one public statement from the leaders ever gave any credit to God himself, and it's not uncommon. I think of another incident, stand back up here now, uh, at uh, Northwestern University. Uh, Northwestern University is a great school. It's on the shores of uh, Lake Michigan, just a little bit north of Chicago there. And uh, back in the 1980s, or I should say 1980s, back in the 1800s, they had a life-saving team that was famous. And on September 8, 1860, uh, there was a big steamer, a passenger steamer called the Lady Elgin. And it didn't go in the right direction. It got off course a little bit in coming into the docks, and it ran across some boulders and began to fall apart. And the passengers on that ship were in danger of losing their lives. And there were a number of students that had gathered there on the shoreline from Northwestern University watching the horrific scenes that was taking place. And one of them was a man named, young man, college student, named Edward Spencer. And he was part of that life-saving team. And he saw beyond the breakers a woman clinging to a piece of the wreckage. And he immediately took off his outerwear, jumped into the icy waters, and swam out, got her, and brought her back. And he repeated that 16 times until he finally collapsed out of exhaustion. And the exposure... And the exertion during that time uh, had an effect on him, and he actually lived out the rest of his life with broken health until he died in California in 1981. And the newspaper that covered it said that not one of the 16 people, 17 people, ever came back and said thanks. Not one. Uh, So the first lesson that we learn is our natural inclination to forget, to say thanks. It's not malicious. It's not that we don't want to, but we often just forget. There's a second lesson. In addition to giving us some 
insight into our fallen nature humanity, uh, it also instructs us about God, and that is thanking God for the blessings that we receive is very, very important to him. Because in the text it says, you know, weren't, weren't there ten that were cleansed? Uh, what happened to the other nine? Uh, all were cleansed, all had equal motive for gratitude, but nine of them seemed to be so bound up in their newfound freedom and healing that uh, they forgot about the source of it. Only one came back and really gave Jesus what he wanted, and that's gratitude and glory for who he was. Uh, gratitude is a person at his or her best. Ingratitude is a person at his or her worst. And the reason is, is because it smacks of a sense of entitlement. And we don't want that characteristic about us. Uh, you know, God is very much aware of uh, when I fail to thank him for the ordinary as well as the unusual blessings that he gives in my life. He's very much aware when I forget to do that. And again, gratitude recognizes that God is the source of every good thing. And even in the midst of the pain, being a thankful individual allows us to see beyond our pain, beyond our adversity, and into the plan of God. And one of the things that I've discovered is that God uses adversity down here to prepare us ultimately for glory up there. And it's just building in us the kind of person that he wants us to be. Now, I want you to do me a favor here. I don't have it on a screen or anything like that, but I'd like you to turn to the book of Habakkuk, okay? Deep in your Old Testament, if you have trouble finding it, it's next to Nahum. Uh, now, we don't want to complain about not being able to find it. We just want to be glad it's there, okay? And what I'd like to do is read the last three verses of the book. Habakkuk, you got Habakkuk, Zephaniah, page 892. Okay. Uh, have you found it? Got it? All right. If you haven't got it, just listen. I'll try to read it well. Uh, Habakkuk 3, and we're going to be uh, reading the, just the last few verses. Uh, 17, 18, and 19. Okay, here we go. Though the fig tree should not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines. And by the way, in order to appreciate this, you need to put, understand an agrarian economy where everything depends upon the, the crops and the herds. But he says, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, uh, though the yield of the olive tree should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet, or nevertheless, I will exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and makes me walk in high places." Uh, you know, uh, 
gratitude in this life is always defiant. It's always gratitude in spite of something, of some adversity that often would steal our joy. And I suspect, and I I don't know most of you, uh, and I, I know a few of you a little bit, but some of you might be encountering some disappointment, and it might be huge disappointment. Uh, maybe it's chronic, and it looks like it's just not going to go away very soon. It can be relational, or financial, or situational, or physical, or vocational. It may be a genetic deficit, maybe a bad chapter in your life that continues to hammer its way out. And God's call when we go through these particular times is simply to acknowledge it, to perhaps grieve over it, uh, to seek help with a trusted friend or counselor, but don't give it one more ounce of energy than it has to be given. You see, sometimes the sadness of owning our own story, uh, it doesn't have to keep us from enjoying the good gifts that come our way anyway, but it's going to take a measure of defiance. We're going to have to get past it. Nevertheless, I I, uh, saw a living example of this a number of years ago. I uh, was in the very southern tip of the nation of India, uh, down at a place called Donover Fellowship. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Amy Carmichael, but she was a, a woman who in 1895 left England and journeyed to southern India in order to save young girls from Hindu prostitution. And she got there in 1895, and she died in 1952, and she was a woman of means, but she never, ever returned to her homeland. And by God's grace, she was able to establish a 400-acre compound right down in, in, in southern India, And there are schools and medical clinics and churches. And it's one of the most blessed places I've ever been in my entire life. And women run the whole thing. There are some men on that compound, but they do all of the labor. Women are the ones that are in charge, and they run it all. But uh, they had an outdoor clinic where they would take people from outside and to give them free medical treatment. And while I was there, just kind of walking through it a little bit, uh, there were two women who came, and they were suffering from leprosy. And uh, they were tiny, tiny ladies. Uh, And their toes had pretty much fallen into disuse or were no longer there. Their fingers were gnarly. Their faces were scarred. And, uh, but there they were. They had the biggest smile on their faces. There was a, a glow there as they shared the gratitude that they had for the Lord and the grace of being part of the Lord's family. And these were ladies that really worshipped the Lord, but they couldn't be part of a normal fellowship uh, just simply because of the disease they had. And they had a small camera, tiny old-fashioned camera, and uh, they asked me if uh, I would stand with them as, in a picture. 
And I said, I'd be delighted to. And I stood between these two tiny ladies. I looked like the sinner on the Lakers team compared to them. But I stood beside these two ladies and violated cultural protocol, and I put my arm around each one of them. And uh, they took a picture. And here I was, uh, a trained pastor from a rich country, uh, in a strong, healthy body, and with choices that they could never even begin to imagine. But in the midst of all of that, I got a liberal arts education from these two ladies of what it means to rejoice in the midst of adversity. You know, and one of the things about the loyal love of God, it will never, ever depart from us. We lean, you know, God is not fickle. God is not uh, changing. A changing God would strike terror into his people. He doesn't jerk us around. You know, if he promises never to leave or forsake us, then he won't. If he promised to mature us into the likeness of Christ for our time on earth, then he will. If he says that we'll never lose our salvation, that we're eternally secure, then we absolutely are. And what he went through on earth to secure that for us is absolutely incredible. I mean, think about the life of Christ, the public life of Christ that we really know about those last three years of ministry. You know, he deserved glory, but he got indifference. He deserved love, but he received hate. He deserved worship, but he received rejection. And then think about how we benefited by his coming to earth. We deserve indifference, but we receive glory. We deserve hate, but we receive love. We reserve death, but we receive life. You see, Christ got what he didn't deserve so that you and I won't get what we do deserve. And we can thank God every single day that we live on the face of this earth for that blessing, and we could still do it more. You know, there's much uh, to be thankful for, especially during this season of the year. I love all of the spiritual holidays. I mean, Christmas and the Advent and the coming of Christ and Easter, the resurrection of our Lord who died for us so that it, it meant that we would have eternal life. But Thanksgiving doesn't have all of the pomp of those two holidays, but it's just such a beautiful time because we as his people just get a chance to look up and say, I don't say it enough, God, but thank you for the blessings. Thank you even for the heartaches that you've, you've used to help make me what I am. And I pray that I'll not resist that forever and ever. Well, we um, are going to shift gears a little bit here. And uh, Fidel is going to have a, a kind of a roving mic. And uh, if you would like to just share... Uh, a story or two or a thought or two, just a brief thought about being thankful to God uh, because of something. It could even be adversity, but this is uh, your time to edify the rest of us by just sharing a quick thought of why you're thankful to God during this uh, time of the year. So, Fidel, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for the message.